All right. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much again for joining me on the Gospel Truth. This is Josh Lucas, and I am the Director of Youth Ministries at First Reformed Church in Sibley, Iowa. So coming to you from the small town of Iowa that uh, is right now starting in the process of harvest season. So all the farmers are out on the uh, in the fields and on the roads and everything. So if you happen to be in the area, either in Iowa, South Dakota, or Kansas, anywhere where you have farmers, just please make sure that you are keeping your eyes out on uh, on the roads and everything else, and make sure that uh, that you're giving farmers plenty of space and plenty of time to see you, so then you can safely pass them or slow down, so that uh, you know they don't have to try to slam on their brakes brakes and cause accidents or even deaths. So it's a it's a crazy time right now, but uh, it's a really beautiful season that we're in, and it's coming for fall and winter, so we're really excited for that, I, I think, um, but I am just so excited right now. I am over the moon excited um, because I took a break from the gospel truth for a while, and um, uh, just because we had a lot of trips going on with our family, uh, vacations, and I went to a conference uh, on expository preaching uh, with Dr. Stephen Lawson out in Colorado, um, and uh, just getting youth groups started, and uh, uh, just different things that are happening in our church, and I just really just had to make a difficult decision and stop the podcast for a while, but uh you know, I started thinking about it the other day, and I, I went, man, I, am I really making an impact here? Is is this podcast really taking off, or is it something that people really enjoy listening to, or at least are listening to? And so I, I, I went online uh, on my account uh, through the uh, uh, the RSS that I have um, linked uh, for the podcast where it's published. Uh, to all the different uh, uh, websites and everything else, and um, and I saw the statistics of of the last uh, essentially the last two months of this podcast, and I am just so excited to see that we have broken the 500 mark for listeners of this podcast. Uh, and I know that may not seem like a lot, but for me. That, that is just ecstatic. I am so grateful uh, to the listeners, but also grateful to God that he has given me a platform that uh, that is is starting to become really successful and everything else. And I just hope and pray that, uh, that it continues uh, to be a just a good shining light for people and to hopefully grow them in their relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, that's really my goal is to speak the truth, speak the truth in love, but also to challenge and to equip people uh, with either new ways of thinking, uh, especially biblically, um, or just uh, really to, to help people to uh, to respond to certain things in a biblical way or to even encourage people that might be dealing with certain things. Um, but now that I know that there's quite a following going on right now, we're definitely going to be taking it up a notch and taking it to a next level. Uh, 
you know, with editing and all kinds of different stuff, just so then it stays fresh and we could even hopefully broaden our, our span a little bit. So thank you guys so much for listening and watching. Uh, and I see that the, the listeners are all around the country and even all around the world. Uh, I, I'm new to this, so maybe this is a, a typical thing, but, uh, but I'm, I'm just really excited that out in North Carolina, uh, we have listeners. So if you're from North Carolina and you're listening and you're an active listener, thank you so much, uh, for listening to this Iowa kid, uh, uh, doing a podcast. Uh, I just, I really greatly appreciate it. Um, uh, and I would really love to get to know everybody. Uh, if you feel free to message me, my name is Josh Lucas. You can find me on Facebook, uh, Instagram, wherever, uh, or you can email me at joshlfrc at gmail.com. Uh, I would, I would love to talk with you and to get to know you, especially if you're in ministry yourself, or if you're thinking about going into ministry, uh, I just really would love to get to know you and talk to you. Um, but enough about all that jazz. Uh, let's get into this right now. So I was originally just going to do like a a new introduction to the podcast and kind of introduce, uh, the things that we're going to be covering, essentially doing the first, uh, the first podcast episode that we did a long time ago, um, before we started putting it fully online, um, on podcasts, we were doing a video, uh, podcast for quite a while. Um, but I then came across uh, Ligonier <laughs> finally put out um, their state of theology survey um, that they do pretty much essentially every year. Uh, this is the 2022 uh, state of theology um, uh, survey. And uh, this is what they say. This is their introduction. So I want to talk about that today. I'm going to talk about a few different things and talk about the 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 fear that I have. Not really the fear, but more or less the the alarming the alarm that's going off in in my head about this these these statistics and these facts, um, and also the hope that we have that even though these these statistics and these things are scary to see, but there is hope. Uh, in these things as well, but this is what Ligonier has to say. Their introduction to the survey, and if you've never uh, done it before, or have you? You've never seen it or anything like that. Go online. Uh, it, the The website is thestateoftheology.com, uh, uh, or you can just Google Ligonier Ministries State of Theology 2022. Uh, uh, I think as I'm looking at this here. Uh, they do. They did one in, in the UK in 2018, uh, but obviously, since they're in the United States, they they focus on the United States. Um, but this is what they have to say. So, what do Americans believe about God, salvation, ethics, and the Bible? Ligonier Ministries and Lifeway Research partnered to find out. Every two years, so it's every two years, not every year, I apologize. Every two years, we take the theological temperature of the United States to help Christians better understand today's culture and to equip the church with better insights for discipleship. Read some of our key findings from 2022 below and explore the data for yourself. So that's essentially what they're doing. They just want to take the temperature, as they say, of the United States, the theological temperature of the United States, uh, to help Christians better understand what's going on in the culture around them and to equip the church uh, to, to, to reveal what they actually need to do uh, in their discipleship. Um, 
and why these things are important. So I just want to talk about these for a little bit. Uh, um, so we're, we're not going to go through every single one of the questions, uh, but uh, go through the ones that I, I just personally believe are very important. Uh, the very first one that is up here um, is, does God change? Does God change? That's the question. Uh, and this is what they say. As we look at ourselves and at the world, it is clear that human beings, along with the rest of creation, undergo frequent changes. But does this principle of change apply to God as well? So as, um, uh, as they asked this question, uh, and the statement was made, uh, so basically the way that the survey was taken is uh, they, they have these different categories, essentially, these different uh, uh, topics, if you will. Um, and then they make a statement... And then the, the person taking the survey um, either says agree or disagree. Okay, pretty, pretty self-explanatory. Um, but the statement that was made that follows along with does God change, God learns and adapts to different circumstances. 51% of, of the people that were involved in this uh, survey responded with agree. 51% agreed, 32% disagreed. Um, and, uh, and I'm, I'm assuming that uh, the rest kind of fell into the, uh, the realm of I don't know or eh, maybe on the fence about it. Um, but overall, the, the, the big numbers show that 51% of people agreed with that statement that God learns and adapts to different circumstances and 32% disagreed with that. Okay. But here's the truth about this. Uh, and, and this is what Ligonier has to say about it. And I have to agree with him. The Bible affirms the truth that the triune God is both omniscient, meaning that he knows all things, and immutable, meaning that he cannot and does not change. Isaiah 46.10, Malachi 3.6, James 1.17, 1 John 3.20. Despite this truth, the majority of adults in the United States believe that God both learns and adapts to different circumstances. Church and, and, and everybody, we have to understand something that, that, that God does not change. Okay? God does not change. And there's, there's passages in the Bible that talk about, oh, God changed his mind, or God switched things around, or God did this and that. But that's not talking about God changing, okay? God knew that, it, that, that certain situations were going to happen regardless of, of anything. God is not surprised by anything that happens within this physical world because he created it. He created it. So he does not change, okay? And a lot of people tend to think and say, and I've heard this argument before, that, well, Jesus came and he changed the law. He, that's what he was, he was challenging. But when someone says that Jesus changed the law, they don't understand what Scripture is saying. They don't understand what Jesus said, and they're completely missing what Jesus himself said in the Gospels when he said that I did not come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill the law. So right there shows that Jesus was not changing the law. There was only essentially one law that changed, right? Only one law that changed, and that was the food laws, right? Because, well, why did they quote unquote change, or why were they? Because they were fulfilled, meaning there was nothing more that needed to be done with those laws. Because with the with the the foods and the sacrifices and all these different things, they were things that people needed to do to make themselves clean. But Jesus came and he was the ultimate sacrifice 
and that fulfillment that we need, which is why he is the living water. He is the bread of life. Those who drink from, 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 uh, drink from my cup, they will never go thirsty. Those who eat of, uh, those who eat of this bread, they will never go hungry, right? That's, that's revealing that Jesus is the fulfillment of those things. So Jesus did not change the law. He fulfilled it and he was exposing what sin actually is. And what is sin? Well, sin is a heart issue. So the, the, the Pharisees were trying to establish like, oh, it's, it's all out outwardly and you're, you're committing this and all this stuff. And Jesus was saying, no, it's not just those things. It's also within your heart. That's why he said, you've heard it said to not murder. But I say to you that if you even hate your brother, you are a murderer. So church, God does not change. God does not adapt. God doesn't need to do any of those things. We need to adapt and we need to change to God. That's the only change that needs to happen. Uh, 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 this was their, their, final, uh, their final thought on, on that issue. Uh, the results show that American evangelicals in the general U.S. population are essentially equivalent in their agreement with this statement. Nearly half of both groups, the ones that are uh, American evangelical Christians and those who do not affiliate with a certain uh, Christian group, uh, nearly half of both groups believe that God changes by learning and adapting. This may indicate the influence of open theism, which denies God's complete knowledge of future events, and process theology, which essentially denies God's omnipotence and asserts that he does undergo changes within the evangelical church. This finding may also indicate a lack of clear biblical teaching on the character of God in evangelical churches. That right there is 100% yes. Uh, th th there's a lot of stuff lacking uh, with biblical teaching within the church, um, uh, but that is definitely one of them, which is why a lot of people don't, under don't, don't really understand or realize how they should react uh, when certain things happen in their lives or think, oh, this is of God or this is not of God. You know, instead, let's just entertain people. Um, um, yeah, that one's okay. Does this one really, uh, really gets to me because obviously we're, we're, we're all facing this right now um, uh, uh, with different churches all across the nation and everything else. Does church membership matter? That's the question. And the statement was made, every Christian has an obligation to join a local church. Every Christian has an obligation to join a local church. 36% agree. 56% disagree. I just, I cannot believe that. I, 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 I just cannot believe that. Um... Uh, I don't know. I just, it, it saddens me to hear that, um, uh, that that people would, would even think that way, you know? Um, 
Uh, for much of American history, the influence of Christianity resulted in a high rate of church attendance and church membership was normative, yet increasing secularization in the United States has led to more Americans identifying as non-religious. In addition, the entrenched culture value of individualism makes it unsurprising that most Americans deem church membership as optional for Christians. Um, uh, oh, okay, I see. So, yeah, that that thirty six percent agree, fifty six percent disagree. That was the the non Christian, um, and then the U.S. evangelical finding uh, with that question or that statement: every Christian has an obligation to join a local church. Sixty eight percent of U.S. evangelicals agreed, twenty six percent disagreed. Um, however, that needs to be a hundred percent. If you are a Bible believing Christian, you see that there is a need for you to be involved in a local church, in a local body. Because Jesus in Matthew 16, 18 says, I will build my church. I will build my church. Why would you not want to be a part of a local body? And I get the whole un- the, the whole argument of, well, it's because I'm... I'm 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 mistreated in churches or no one understands me or I feel like an outcast or I feel like you know whatever and and I hear people that say that and 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 it, it kind of it strikes me as odd because I'm going to be kind of bold here when I say this but this is essentially how I how I see people who say that are are, are looking at the situation so people are not coming to church or thinking that they shouldn't be involved in a church because an imperfect person is going to a place where imperfect other imperfect people are going to try to become perfect and understand what they're what they need to do to to become perfect for their righteousness but they're not loving them perfectly and so therefore that imperfect person is mad at those other imperfect people because they're loving them imperfectly. Did you follow the trail there? We're all imperfect people. No one is better than anyone else in the Christian world. In the in the in the in the Christian faith, no one is better than each other. There was only one perfect human being that ever walked the face of this earth, and that was Jesus Christ, the Savior of our sins. Okay? But we should not, as individuals, as Christians, look at other Christians and go, man, they're really treating me unfairly, or they're really being mean to me. Well, first, what what claims do you have that they're being mean to you? Because I will admit, there are some people that are like that. They, they have a mentality of, of, you need to dress a certain way, you need to look a certain way, you need to act a certain way, you need to talk a certain way, you know, all these different things. But, but ultimately, was it because you were caught in a, in sin and someone was trying to call you to repentance? Do you feel like that there's too many rules, quote unquote? Like, what's the reason why you, you feel like you can't be involved in a church? Because the New Testament talks about this constantly, about how important it is that we come together and we join together in communion. We join together in worship. We join together in fellowship. We join together in Bible study. We join together in prayer. 
to encourage one another, to lift up one another, to hold each other accountable, to confess to one another. It's a community. It's a family. And to say that you don't want to be a part of that, it, it just, it, it, it's mind-boggling. I, I don't understand it. Because if you're trying to search for the perfect church, you're not going to find it, right? You're not going to find it. The perfect church is going to exist in heaven. So please don't wait until that time. Uh... Um, okay. So they're, um, uh, so they go back into the, the U S survey, how it was found in 2014, uh, and they're, uh, making all the claims and, uh, they're connecting them, uh, seeing how they, uh, how they progressed all throughout the years. Um, but they, uh, were talking about the Bible, uh, and, uh, and this was the statement that they made. The Bible, like all sacred writings, contains helpful accounts of ancient myths, but is not literally true. I'm going to say that again. The Bible, like all sacred writings, contains helpful accounts of ancient myths, but is not literally true. So the U.S. adult findings, so ones that uh, that identified as a non-religious person, 2014, 41% agreed with that. And it kept going up and up and up and up until in 2022, their response to the Bible, like all sacred writings, contains helpful accounts of ancient myths, but is not literally true. They said 53% agreed with that statement. Whereas... About 40, 41% said disagree. So it's kind of like right there, but, uh, but you would think, yeah, wow. Yeah. That would be pretty close. Right. Uh, let me see if, uh, 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 Excuse me, I'm sorry. I'm kind of just going through this, so just bear with me. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to see if they if they got the evangelical side of this question. Um, doesn't look like they did. Or at least they didn't. Uh, put it in there. Um, nope. Okay, so, uh, yeah, well, and here's the thing, here's the problem with the statement, and it's hopefully a statement that, that even you caught as well, so I'm going to read it one more time, and then I'm going to break it down and explain that even, even those who aren't Christians should understand this. So the Bible, like all sacred writings, contains helpful accounts of ancient myths, but is not literally true. So first they make the statement of the Bible. This is what they're talking about. They're talking about the Bible, right? But then it says, like all sacred writings. So what they're essentially connecting to, and this is not a jab at Ligonier by any means. I'm just helping you to, uh, helping you to understand what exactly they're saying here with the statement. 
that the Bible is like all sacred writings, which it's on the same level of all sacred writings and, and making the claim that all of the sacred writings do this, right? So, so what essentially these adults, these non-religious people are saying is not only is the Bible like this, but all of the other sacred writings are like this as well, right? So I'd be kind of curious to see if we changed it and said, and didn't say the Bible, if we said all sacred writings of every religion contains helpful accounts of ancient myths, but is not literally true. How different would people would people see that? But they didn't catch those things, right? And a lot of people tend to not when they when they take these surveys. And then contains helpful accounts of ancient myths. Ancient myths saying that it's not it's myths, right? It's it's not true, right? Uh, and which is say, but is not literally true, right? There's just it's just they're just stories, right? And 53% of people agreed with that statement. But in 2014, only 41% agreed. But why is it going up? Why is it going up? If you ask me, I, I truly believe that it's because we as the church have gone so far away from teaching apologetics and teaching the historical accuracy of the Bible that people don't realize that it's a historical, accurate account of history. It's just a loosey-goosey full of nice stories to make you feel good. But let's not talk about the, the, the hard things. Let's not talk about the hard issues that are within the Bible. Just inspire me. Help me to, to, to tell me that I'm doing a good job. That's what I want to hear from the pulpit. That's what a lot of modern evangelical Christians are saying. And just because I say evangelical, I'm talking about all the different denominations as well. Presbyterian, Methodist, Reformed, uh, Netherlands Reformed, Baptist, Anabaptist, Mennonite, whatever the case may be. This is the current state of people believing in the Bible. Is that they don't believe in the Bible because they're not being taught the Bible. They're just being taught a loosey-goosey, fruit-loopy type of gospel and type of Bible. Uh, I think we got time for one more. Um, uh, let me see here. Uh, oh, this one. This one's really bad. Okay, uh, and this this is where I'll, I'll stop with this. But I highly encourage you. There's so many other stuff. Go on there and, and look for it. Look at it for yourself again. Ligonier Ministries, the state of theology in 2022. This is the United States uh, survey that they took recently. But this was the statement that was made about Jesus. So they turned their direction to Jesus. Um, and they didn't give the, the, the answers from 2014. They actually gave the answers from two years prior in 2020. But here was the statement. Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God. Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God. Okay. And this is the U.S. evangelical findings. So these are the people that are in your churches. These are Christians. These are people that apparently believe in the Bible. And this is what their response was. In 2020, 30% agreed with that statement. 
30% agreed with that statement, whereas uh, I think here 62% disagreed with that statement. Today, 2022, 43% agree with that statement, whereas only 50% disagree. So 43% of people agree that Jesus is not God. Church, Jesus is God. He's a part of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Then in verse 14, the Word came down and, and became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the Word talked about in John 1, 1. Jesus was there in the beginning with God. And Jesus is God. He's a part of the Trinity. Three in one. And Jesus was a great teacher. Jesus was a, an amazing pastor. He preached the most famous sermon of all time. But he is God. We have to understand. That's like the basic fundamentals of the Christian faith. Um, uh, it's just it's just so sad to me. This is the current state of our theology. Uh, in the United States uh, today, and there's other there was other questions regarding to the evangelicals and everything else, um, but we need to realize something, pastors, youth pastors, what have you. Um, it is time for us to stop being spineless on the pulpit. It is time for us to stop worrying about preaching the difficult things or offending people or anything else and to quit quit tickling ears we need to step up as men and to take on the pulpit and to say no more no more of this nonsense no more of this wishy-washy ridiculous gospel preaching we are here to honor and to glorify the mighty, glorious name of God. And we are here to learn about him, learn about ourselves, and to learn how it is that we are to live a fully devout life to Jesus Christ. We cannot continue to live in this, this twilight zone of all these different Jesuses and all these different gods that are being presented. Like, uh, Vody Bauckham said it best, this ridiculous, sissified Jesus that, that is sitting in the corner just waiting for you to come to him and he has open arms for you and he's, he's just waiting for you to do it. Just please come to him. Come to him. It's like, no. He's going to come to you and he's going to break down your heart he is going to soften your heart so that you will come to him. Church, we fail to realize who God is. We fail to realize what he did in the Old Testament. We fail to realize what he's prophesied that he is going to do with this world. This is the God that parted the Red Sea. This is the God who created the entire universe. This is the God that flooded and destroyed this world this is the god who left heaven 
came down into the world, took on flesh, died, took on the worst punishment ever imaginable, was buried in a tomb, and then resurrected from the dead. That, that is the God of Scripture. That is the God that we need to believe in. That's the God that we also need to fear. Because here's the thing, church, God is not going to be mocked. And the way that the preachers and pastors and ministers, whoever, however, whatever your title is, have been presenting this sissified Jesus, it's not going to last long. Because one day, we're all going to have to stand before God, especially us as pastors, youth pastors, ministers, whatever. We're going to stand before God and we have to give an account for how we handled his word and how we handled his flock. And that should show us that we need to take it very seriously. Preach the gospel. Teach the Bible. Teach it expositorily. Explain it the way it needs to be explained. Don't take the easy way out no more because our theology is at risk and our future is at stake. But here's the hope. Is that even though everything is, is like this right now, there's still that small remnant. There's that remnant of true Bible-believing Christians that are still going to stand on God's word and they know God's word and they understand it and they're going to go out and they're going to preach. And this is the sign that God has not given up on us. That God is not going to forsake us or leave us. <clears throat> Scripture tells us that. So trust. Trust. Pray for your pastors. Pray for your leaders. Pray for those who are preaching every single week whether it be in youth group on Sunday morning, Sunday night, wherever, wherever it is that you go to receive the preaching of God's word, pray for those leaders that they will be convicted to preach truth. And if they don't, well, then you need to find another way to go. You need to find another pastor. You need to find another church. But God is going to help you through all of this. Trust in him. Trust in him. Well, that's all the time I have for today. So uh, we went over just a little bit, but I was just really excited for this podcast today. So I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, like and share it. Uh, share it with your friends. Share it all around Facebook or Instagram, uh, wherever you get the podcast and listening to it. Uh, but I'm just so excited. And if there's ever anything that you want to talk about, or if you want me to answer questions or anything on this podcast, please make sure that you uh, that you message me. Uh, I would love to talk with you and love to uh, chat with you about whatever it is that you want to discuss or, or have talked about on the show. Um, but I am Josh Lucas, and uh, I've had the amazing time of presenting the gospel truth. Uh, have a blessed day. And as always, be safe and make good choices.